What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 20 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, it is March, baby. Let's do it. We sleep in May. We are at the point now where we sleep Literally. in May, according to John Rothstein. Oh, it's finally here. It's been a long two years since we have been able right? to watch some March Madness. I am so yeah. excited for this tournament to kick off with the first four on Thursday and the regular round starting on Friday. I'm so excited. It's all in one place. Hopefully COVID issues stay at a minimum and we mm-hmm. don't lose any teams. I just can't believe that it's actually happening. I think people just got to keep running that in a loop through their minds because I missed filling out a bracket so much. It's just, it's such an amazing experience that they're able to play out this tournament with this many teams in just three weeks, basically. It's uh, it's phenomenal. It always gives us a great experience. You know, there's going to be a ton of great games along the way and some moments that we never forget coming up. So uh, I am so excited that it is back. History could be in the making. I say it. We have an interview coming up. <laughs> I say I say in the interview that I truly think there will be the most upsets ever this year. Mm. I also think that the favorite that we could have predicted last year is going to come away with the championship. There is nobody like Gonzaga this year. Yeah, nobody. It's unbelievable. It really so, is. I don't... I, I truly... I, again, I, I say I don't want to ruin the interview, but... It was just so hard trying to pick these teams because Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan is a little bit of an iffy, but even Texas, Illinois, Oklahoma State, I think they could all Alabama. Win. Yeah, Alabama, Alabama Houston, Iowa, Texas yeah. Tech, if you go a little bit lower down. There, there, there are a lot of really interesting teams. It's going to be a ton of fun. I especially look at that east region where that honestly all chaos could break out in in that region so that that's your region to watch if you're looking for a lot of upsets and and some movers yeah the west they they came out with names for all of them which is so funny the west was the power region right gonzaga's basically played all those teams already yep east is where the the madness could happen south you could get you could see a couple of upsets too and then midwest was what did they call this one the superman or um, Batman, because that's, I would assume, no, in Illinois. Mm. But they all, they all, I think, have their own quirks to them, which makes it more fun, too. It's going to be a great tournament. It's going to yeah. be a great tournament. So yeah. we're here. It's March. So with all that being said, because it is March, because we are just two days, or as you're listening, one day away from the first four in games, we thought this would be a perfect time to bring on the guys on the Tar Devils podcast, which is also a part of Blue Wire Hustle. John and Tyler host a podcast. John graduated from UNC. Tyler didn't graduate from Duke, but he's been a long time, a lifetime Duke fan. And the two guys, they talk UNC, they talk Duke. They're obviously bitter rivals. The name of the podcast pretty much says it all, the Tar Devils podcast. So make sure to follow them at Tar Devils Pod on Twitter and enjoy this interview because we talk upsets, we talk favorites, we talk specific players to watch. We get a lot of really good stuff in there, a pretty comprehensive preview of the March Madness tournament. And then make sure to to keep listening in afterwards because Pat and I will do a little bit more college basketball breakdown numbers of the week. And then as always, we'll finish up with best of. So sit back, relax, and we'll be back right after this interview. 
All right, so we are joined with the hosts of the Tar Devils pod, part of Blue Wire Hustle. Tyler Rosieri, you can find him on Twitter at Rosieri underscore Tyler and John Bowman. Guys, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to talk March, March Madness, the tournament. Tell us a little bit about how your pod came about, because I said right before we started recording, when I saw them come into Hustle, I knew that we would have to talk to you guys when March Madness started. Yeah, so basically, Duke seemed like it was primed for a championship run. And we had been talking for years about getting this podcast started. And now we sit here with John way more enthusiastic about talking about March Madness than me. <laughs> the first time <laughs> in my life that Duke has not made the tournament. And March does not feel like madness right now. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. It really couldn't be worse timing for you. Yeah. But we get revenge tour next year. So um, looking forward to season two next year. Yeah. So Tyler, before we even get into it, talk us through a little bit about what you were thinking when Selection Sunday come around. Did you have any hope? Was it really over in the ACC tournament when things just hit the fan? Um, I didn't think there was hope for a bit. I thought maybe we could squeak into one of the reserve teams. I did not expect a team like Syracuse to get an 11 seed. And Same. not even have to do a play-in game. Yeah. Because, one, Duke killed Syracuse. But, two, if you look at their resume, Duke has a better resume overall. So, I don't really get that pick. That was – I didn't really have a lot of issue with Duke missing the tournament. It was some of the teams that made it that I was like, oh, they should be sitting on the sidelines with us. But, um, I mean, in terms of ACC tournament, very – I mean, I thought it was a fitting end to Duke's season, a very disappointing season. Basically, the one-year anniversary of Duke being the first team to pull out of the NCAA tournament last year before, you know, COVID hit, hit the wall. And now we're the first team out of the ACC tournament after having no, no COVID cases all year and having the strictest protocols in the ACC. And we're looking very well. I thought we looked the best all season against Louisville dominated that game for 36 or 40 minutes and then heartbreak ensues. So a fitting end to a disappointing season, unfortunately. And I look forward to next year with Paulo Vanchero and AJ Griffin reloading this team. Mm. I'd forgotten about last year too, them falling, them coming out or pulling themselves out early because of COVID. Yep. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it was Duke and Kansas that led it last year. And then everyone else followed suit. It did. Yeah. Yep. Right. When and Duke John speaking too. Yeah. John, you obviously feel more upbeat. How are you feeling about <laughs> UNC's chances and outlook on the tournament so far? Yeah, it's been a, a really interesting season to cover North Carolina. They've had an up and down year for sure, but I think the highest highs this season have come at the end of the year. UNC, as they say, is peaking at the right time. Um, they've got a tough first round matchup. I think we're going to get into that a little bit as we start to transition and talk about March Madness, but um, UNC performed pretty well in the ACC tournament as well. They put together a couple good performances, um, fell uh, earlier than they wanted to, I'm sure. But uh, just like with Duke, how Mark Williams really came on at the end of the season, um, UNC had strong play from some of their freshmen. Walker Kessler, Caleb Love, RJ Davis all played well in the ACC tournament. So there's a lot of things pointing in the right direction for the Tar Heels as they enter March Madness here in a few days. Yeah, no, and you bring up perfectly, we'll move into this first question here, talking about, you know, a tough matchup in the first round for, for UNC going up against Wisconsin. So what, what do you feel is going to be the best 
round of 64 matchup in the tournament? Yeah, from my perspective, I just first am so happy to have a bracket again. It's so <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> That's the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I missed it so much last year. Um, so I've been diving into all of these matchups. I, I think that right off the top, the one that, that jumps out to me the most is UNC Greensboro, the 13th seeded team in the mm. East against Florida State, the four mm. seed. So we know that Florida State uh, was one of the best teams in the ACC this season, but UNC Greensboro, uh, they had a really good run at the end of their year. Um, I believe they won their conference tournament. And of course they've snuck in here as the 13 seed. Um, we know that there are upsets in March. It's not uncommon to see a 4-13 matchup. Um, I also have to mention, I might have a little bit of bias here because Wes Miller is the head coach of UNC Greensboro. He is a former Tar Heel, but I also just like their team. I think they have a good team and Florida state, um, just like a lot of teams in the ACC was up and down. Um, and if they're not able to bring their a game, I think they're on upset alert. So that's the matchup that I'm looking forward to watching to watching most uh, on the first rounds of the NCAA tournament. In, in case y'all are wondering how the Tar Devils podcast go, there, there's John with another biased UNC tape. <laughs> I was literally just going to say, Tyler might be the, the best person to talk to amongst the four of us because you don't have any, any skin in the game. And I mean that uh, as no, a little bit of an Whoever insult. goes against UNC is, I bet you <laughs> I was a bigger Villanova fan, more a bigger Villanova fan back when uh, Jenkins hit that shot than anyone mm. in the world. <laughs> Love that. I have two four teams winning in the first round. Two of them. I have two. Ooh. I have Ohio, which is a popular – or yep. two thirteens. I said, yeah. I have Ohio, which is a popular one, which honestly makes me nervous because when everybody oh, goes UVA. to that pick, yeah. like I almost want to stray away. And then this was truly just a gut decision. I went with Moorhead State over West Virginia. I oh, just, that's a bold one. It's bold. I, I didn't I don't love what West, West Virginia put together this season. I think they got a a little bit of a pass with that three seed. I think Oklahoma State should have been th the three, and they should have been four, if not lower. But actually, because I'm I'm talking, I'll go right into it. My favorite matchup to watch in this first round it's Loyola Chicago versus Georgia Tech. It's the eight nine. Great game. I'm, pretty sure that nine seeds overall have a better record over eight seeds in the history of the tournament. So these games are always good, no matter what. I just and think like you that brought up two Loyola teams Chicago that were grotesquely underseeded. Georgia tech is a nine seed is probably the toughest nine seed I've ever seen. Mm. And Oklahoma state right. is by far the toughest four seed. I, I completely agree. And they're in the same region in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, Loyola Chicago has the name now because of their final four run in 2018. I think pedigree and experience are two of the most important things in this tournament. And that's also why I have Michigan State going far, which we can talk about later. Yeah. But Loyola Chicago literally is they rank first in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. They've won 21 of their last 23 games. I think momentum is huge in the tournament. They have an incredible defender. They also have a third-team All-American and Cameron Crutwig, their point guard, facilitator on offense and defense. I really like watching him. And then Georgia Tech, ACC, you can, you can argue how legitimate that championship really was. But like Tyler just said, I think they, they got a tough draw as the nine seed. They got a tough draw against Loyola Chicago. 
They have the ACC player and defensive player in the year. I think they have a chip on their shoulder and they're trying to prove to the rest of the world that it's not just a fluke that they got into this championship game. They're here. They're here for the right reasons. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be a fun one. I love Loyola Chicago. I, I love them. I, I think it's obviously a tough matchup with Georgia Tech being the nine. And then, man, I would be inclined to pick them to go further if they weren't drawing Illinois, who might just be playing the best basketball in the country right now. Exactly. So it, it, the matchups are tough, but I really like the team. Yeah. I, I had a Loyola Chicago, too, just because of their defense. Sam, Tyler, what are you thinking for best matchup? The best matchup in the first round or, or what I, th- I think the first round best matchup, I'm going to look at Ohio and UVA only mm. because it that's a 13-4 upset that things should happen. But like Emma said, when everyone starts talking about it, rarely does it happen. But right. the biggest thing, well, one is you want to talk about a player that people are going to be talking about. It's going to be Jason Preston. And his look is like LaMelo, LaMelo Ball. When I see him play, it's what he looks like. And his game is kind of like it too. It kind of shoots like him too. But um, the, the bigger reason is UVA with this, they were on COVID pause too during the ACC tournament. We don't even know who tested positive. So who's practicing for them? Then they have to travel late. I think they said they travel Friday for a Saturday yep. game, something like that. And already going into a hot Ohio, or having to play a hot Ohio team. So I, I'm going to go with uh, the popular pick here and say Ohio UVA is what I'm going to look for. But also to Emma's point, I think one, I, I don't know if Michigan State should have made the tournament based on their resume. Net ranked 70, that you know ticked me off a little bit. But do I think they can make a deep run? Absolutely. And a lot of time in the tournament, you have like one day to prepare between games, and Izzo knows how to do that. So they can play BYU, and then they play you know probably a Texas team. I can see MSU as a, as a double-digit ranked team making it to Sweet 16, possibly Elite Eight. I like that. I have them losing to Texas just because I think Texas is potentially a Final Four team. I think Jay Billis had them at the Elite Eight or Final. I think Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah. That's a popular pick too, which again makes me want to stray away from it. Pat, what do you think first round? Yeah, so I mean, if we're lumping the upsets into it, I also have a 13 over – or a 14 over a 3 here. Mm -hmm. And I have have Colgate beating Arkansas. Now, do I feel – I like it. Do I feel great about it? No, I can't say I feel amazing because I do think Arkansas is very well-rounded. But when I look at it, Colgate just, they are so strong on offense. One of the best shooting teams in the country. They push the tempo. I think the Hogs might have a little bit of trouble keeping up there. And then best matchup, I'm going to go another 8-9 matchup. LSU-St. Bonaventure. I love this game. I love this game. LSU, one of the top offenses in the country. Cameron Thomas is a legit stud there for them in the SEC. And then the Bonnies. The Bonnies are, again, you talk about Arkansas being well-rounded. The Bonnies are super well-rounded. They're top 40 in offense, top 20 in defense. Jaron Holmes can really shoot it. I think St. Bonaventures wins that game. and But I think it's going to be a really, really fun one to watch. Yeah, that was one that I truly went back and forth because I think Michigan has bounced early. So I was thinking mm-hmm. ahead to that, and I was thinking that I like the Bonnies over LSU, but I don't necessarily like the Bonnies over Michigan. That's that's yep. a little bit of a stretch. Yep. But I also can't see Michigan making it to the Elite Eight without Livers. Yeah, he's so key to them. So yeah. I, I agree. I do not have the Bonnies beating Michigan, though, of course, I thought about it, and I thought about yeah. it for a long time. Uh, I have Florida State beating them, but yeah. we'll see where it goes All right, from there. So- yeah, so we lumped some upsets. We had some good matchups there too. 
John, why don't you start us off with the favorites here? Which one seed do you think is going to be bounced first? And I actually prefaced it by saying by saying my pick early. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really interesting year for, for one seeds in the tournament because it kind of feels like there's two categories of one seeds. There's Gonzaga mm -hmm. and there's everyone else. Um, Gonzaga has been so good this year. They've kind of elevated themselves into sort of their own separate tier, their own separate bracket. And then you look at the three other one seeds, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan, and there's a lot more doubts uh, about some of those other teams, maybe than one seeds in the past. I think with Baylor, one of your big concerns, if you're a Baylor fan, is they haven't played their best basketball as of late. And that's so important this time of year to sort of be building momentum and playing your best basketball in March because if you were really good in December and January, as Baylor was, that ultimately doesn't matter. Um, but I'm actually going to have to agree with a lot of you. I'm thinking Michigan is out early as the one seed. I think they're the shakiest. I believe in Gonzaga and Illinois, um, but I think Michigan is going to get bounced first. Mm -hmm. Especially going perfectly into your point, Illinois is playing their best basketball of late. Tyler, do you agree with that Michigan pick? Yes, I think the – after the first or second week, I said that Gonzaga and Baylor were in their, a class of their own, and then you had Illinois and Iowa under them. So Iowa slipped, but Illinois stayed consistent. And Illinois made Villanova was in that group too for a while. Uh, a little too heavy on Gillespie, and now he's out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But um, Illinois maybe have, has even played themselves into that top three category, and. When I look at the bracket, Gonzaga clearly has the easiest road, but well-deserved. I can't give them any crap for that because they went undefeated. I like I give them all the credit. I'm the first to um, be critical of Gonzaga, especially like of a West Coast team. But when I saw them play this year, I said, okay, you're elite at literally every position on the floor. So yeah, they are. I give them a ton of credit. I think they're going to run the table this year. I picked them to win. Um, so they had the easiest path. I don't think they're going down early. Baylor, they had their COVID pause, so that's why they're rusty. I think they'll get it together, though. They can finally practice again. And so I'm looking at Illinois and Michigan. Illinois, I think they end up going against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech's a little too small, I think, even though Moses Wright is a beast. Yeah. He's still like 6'9". So I think Illinois can get by that. But Michigan, without livers, they do not play the same at all. And they're going to have a tough game against you know maybe LSU. Without livers, LSU can beat them. Or, you know, probably Florida State down the road. So I think I'm going to agree with all of you and pick Michigan, which means Michigan's probably going to win the championship now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally. That's March Madness. So just to put a disclaimer on my pick, if I was, if it weren't for the specific matchup, I would say Michigan because Livers is so integral to their success. I actually had a stat about how important Livers really is. When Livers is healthy and has played the past two seasons, Michigan is 33 and nine. When they haven't had Livers, Michigan is six and seven. And especially when it matters most, they need their leader and he's, he won't be there. I actually have technically Michigan and Illinois being bounced in the same round because I have Oklahoma state beating Illinois in the sweet 16. Mm. And I'm relatively confident in that pick, even though Illinois has looked pretty unstoppable in the last few weeks. Yeah, Oklahoma State's a very popular pick right now for yeah. many people. So they'll definitely lose to Liberty. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Has to happen. No, I, I think that's really fair. So I also have Michigan being the first one out. But I do want to say that, I, as Emma brings up, I don't think Illinois is safe. As much as they are yeah. playing some great basketball right now, and they really are. I mean, that Big Ten tournament was so impressive. As I bring up with the matchups, having to get through, I think Loyola Chicago gets past Georgia Tech. To Emma's point, you know, having Oklahoma State possibly lurking there in the Sweet 16, those are some brutal matchups for Illinois. And I did go back and forth with Illinois and Oklahoma State. I think Illinois rides it out over Oak State in the end. But that's a tough one. For Michigan, as you said, it's all about livers. I think they the, obviously that work. I shouldn't say obviously now after the Virginia game a couple of years ago, but I do think they get past the 16 seed. I think St. Bonaventure has the potential to cause some trouble for Michigan in the round of 32. And then I, I'm a huge Leonard Hamilton fan. I think he's done a wonderful job down there at Florida State, especially with the defense that they play. I think they get past Michigan in the Sweet 16. Yeah, this bracket was one of the hardest for me to fill out because I truly feel like this will be one of the more upset heavy brackets. And I still just can't bounce Baylor early. I can't. I can't bounce Texas early. I can't bounce Illinois early. So I'm trying to find these upsets because I know that teams higher, teams seated higher than seven always make it far, but I'm struggling finding the teams. One team actually that I have going to the Elite Eight and potentially further if it weren't for Gonzaga, USC. Evan Mobley. Oh, we agree. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what your, uh, that's what your West looks like. I said, I, I have USC and Evan Mobley as a point that was coming up in a little bit, but I am all in on the Trojans. All right, go to it now. No, it's just, it's for a question we want to go to with player to watch. Um, So I, I mean, I guess we kind of wrapped up. We all said Michigan. So we'll move it on to kind of player that hasn't got enough of the spotlight that we think by the end of March, is going to be right there. I think that's a really fun question for us to look at. And for me, it is exactly who you said. Can you believe that Evan Mobley hasn't gotten more press? Well, I don't think people understand how dominant he's been out there in the Pac-12 this year. Pac-12 player of the year, freshman of the year, defensive player of the year. He is only the second player in college basketball history to sweep those awards for a major conference. The only other one, Anthony Davis at Kentucky. It is that level of dominance for Mobley out there. He is a seven footer that can run the floor. He triples like a gazelle. He can pass that. I have USC getting past Kansas uh, as an upset there. And the USC Iowa matchup, I cannot tell you how, how badly I want this to happen for Luca Garza versus Evan Mobley. I think that could possibly be the matchup of the tournament. If we're looking at position on position, I love Evan Mobley. And I think a lot of other people will by the end of March. Those big men. I He was the first guy on my list in my notes for the lesser known player that we'll be talking about. Look at and that. I, and we run a podcast together. See, <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad doing it because I think it's inherently disrespectful to put a lesser known player, Evan Mobley, in the same sentence when he swept all three of those awards in the Pac-12. But I think he's a guy that is just everybody is going to talk about him in the next few weeks. John, who do you, who do you have in that category? Yeah, before I go to my point, I think it speaks to, you know, if, if Mobley was at Duke or UNC or Kentucky, to be honest, I mean, he would have been the name. He would have had Zion level yeah. hype, but he's kind of flown under the radar the whole year being at USC. My player has been mentioned briefly, uh, Cam Thomas of LSU. There we go. I have a kind of funny story with Cam Thomas. So a few years ago, I was at a high school basketball tournament I was there to watch Cole Anthony play for Oak Hill Mm. Academy 
It was a, a tournament down in South Carolina. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl for, for IMG Academy was also there. So Villanova nice. connection. There was this kid. He was really small. He, he hadn't quite grown as much yet um, playing for Oak Hill. And he just kept scoring and he had an amazing shot. Um, and then a couple, uh, you know, years later at this point, I turn on an LSU game. I'm like, I swear I recognize Cam Thomas. It was him from Oak Hill Academy. Academy. So he played with Cole Anthony. He kind of was under his shadow for a little bit. Um, and he's really grown into a superstar player for uh, LSU. Uh, he averages 22 points, uh, three rebounds, one assist. So he's definitely score first guard. But I think in March Madness, it's all about your guards. Um, he's going to have a big profile if they can get out of the first round and play Michigan. I think that's going to be a game where he can have a March Madness big time moment. So Cam Thomas is my player to watch this tournament. Love that. I play. like that. The personal anecdote too. Love it. Tyler, who you got? <laughs> so I, I have two people. The first guy I don't even think is going to get national attention after the tournament just because he's been slept on the whole year. But since John and I pri primarily watch the ACC, Copra Visa out of FSU, I don't know if you've watched this guy play, but I think he's the biggest sleeper in all the ACC. He's like the seven foot, very agile, athletic, big. I first noticed him when he dominated against UNC. And he doesn't get the, as many minutes because he has to share minutes because the FSU team is always super deep and Leonard Hamilton plays so many people. But if you watch FSU, watch Copra Visa, I guarantee he dominates this tournament. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, FSU has a lot of, a lot of talent on that team. So I just want to, it's interesting to see how much um, attention he gets after. But I think he's the most pro ready or he's, he will have, the best he's got the best upside as a pro of anyone on that team but no one even knows who he is um but someone that i think that people we could be talking about in the tournament that used to get hype but now is transferred is matt mcclung mac mcclung at texas mm. tech only because i think texas tech is a very good six seed and i can see them mm. making a run and since he kind of makes that team go i can i have them in my um sweet 16 so that's someone, but maybe that could put, put together a few, you know, really good games competing in Sweet 16. And people are going to be like, oh, I remember that kid at Georgetown. Where has he been yeah. this year? Oh, it's Texas Tech. They're the sixth seed and they're playing well. So that's, that's who I'm going to go with, Mac McClung. I like that's the a good Texas pick. Tech. I've actually reference. been thinking, yeah, I've been thinking about McClung a lot lately because Georgetown won the Big East tournament. Obviously, they got the bid. Mm -hmm. And Patrick Ewing has just been talking about the turnover in his players in his lineup and Mac McClung was the biggest guy and he transferred out and now Georgetown is winning without him so I think Mac McClung is gonna come out pretty strong in this tournament so I mentioned Mobley he was my guy another guy I have to watch who's honestly getting the press already it's somebody John already mentioned Ohio's Jason Preston yeah. or maybe Tyler mentioned him but he I mean he can literally shoot from anywhere on the court he's so quick he looked exactly like LaMelo Ball mm -hmm. and the other guy <laughs> I think he's overshadowed by all the other stars on this team, but watch out for Andre Curbelo on Illinois because yes. in the last, in the yep, last 100%. Eight, or so, eight or so games, he's averaging over 13 points, just over six rebounds over 25 minutes. He had his season high 36 minutes logged against Ohio state in the, the big pen, the big 10 tournament game. So I think having tertiary scoring besides 
I would assume no. And Kofi Coburn is a huge deal for Illinois, and they can get some of that out of Cabello. But Kofi we're winding Coburn down here. It's a cheat code for college he, basketball. He's he literally really the Hulk is. sitting in the paint. It's an unreal. They call it, it's uh it's Batman and the Hulk now, right? Assume <laughs> no and and Coburn. That's what they're calling him. They're they're gonna be a popular pick. So we're winding down. We have to end as usual with Final Four and national championship picks. So Tyler, why don't you start us off? Yeah. So my Final Four, almost is not quite chalk, but I'm I got Gonzaga coming out of so the West, yes, and then Alabama coming out of the East. Do you guys know how hard that is for me to pick after Nate Oates' comments at the beginning of the year? Okay, but I'm still have to pick them. Okay, my pride's on the line here. So if they, if they lose, I'm gonna be so mad. Right, Nate Oates uh, has done a great job down there. He has, he has. Um, I have Baylor coming out of the South. Really struggled with that over Ohio State because Ohio State's playing very well. But I still do think Baylor's the only team that can contend with Gonzaga. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick mm. them coming out of the South. Um, and then I, I have to go with Illinois out of the Midwest. So three one seeds and a two seed. And a two seed. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. Um, and then in my national championship game, Gonzaga is going to beat Baylor 96 to 86. All right. Oh, high scoring. I like yes. it. Baylor has crazy good guards, but still Gonzaga is going to, they can get a hundred in their sleep. Yeah. So again, John, what John, about you? Yeah. My final four is similar. A couple key differences. I have Gonzaga coming out of the West in the East. I have fallen in love with Texas as I've been doing my research. I think that's because they beat UNC. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> the, the East for me uh, in the Midwest division, I am going with the popular trendy upset type pick. I'm going Oklahoma state in the final four and then Ohio state in the South. Um, I think Gonzaga, I like the Buckeyes. Yeah. I think Gonzaga and Ohio state end up in the national championship game and I'm picking the Zags. Interesting. I'm actually not high on Ohio state. Really? I, I like that. I'm a big Chris Holman fan. I don't think their defense is up to par. Mm. Yeah, it's they're good. They're good, but they're, they're an interesting one, um, especially with that draw. Florida's not an easy seven if they have to go up right. against Texas Tech, Baylor. Listen, if they, if they get there, they're going to earn it. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go then. I'll leave Emma for last. Um, so, of course, I as well have Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not losing uh, as a disclaimer. Um, I have Texas as well. I love what Shaka Smart's doing there. I think they are loaded and dangerous. They're so athletic. I'm a big fan of theirs. Baylor coming out of the South. And then <laughs> the Midwest is the one I struggled with a little bit. But in the end, as I said, I think Illinois is just playing way too good basketball for me to pick against them. I wanted to pick Oklahoma State. Hell, I even thought about Houston. But I think the fight in the line, I get out of it. So Gonzaga, Texas, Baylor, Illinois title game it's the two teams we've known it's going to be all year it's gonzaga it's baylor zags win 79 to 65 and will become your first undefeated champion since 1976 i thought for sure you were gonna go houston out of the midwest pat thought about it thought about it um i have very similar picks i got gonzaga obviously i have texas out of the east they played villanova very early on and i think they've gotten better since then I have Baylor out of the South, but I do have Arkansas making the Elite Eight. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. 
And then I have Oklahoma State out of the Midwest, like John. I think Cade Cunningham is just – he's literally must-watch TV. He I is. think Oklahoma State, Illinois could be one of the best games that we watch. And I have Gonzaga, Oklahoma State. I Truly, it's just because I can't have two one seeds in the final. I can't do pick it Pick Oklahoma myself. State. Come on, I you have know you want to do Oklahoma it. State. Pick Gonzaga, Oklahoma State. Gonzaga, Oklahoma State. I think I have 79-72 Gonzaga. Oh, you got a close one. I think it's going to be close. I wanted you to pick Oklahoma State. I really did. But I understand. No, Gonzaga. Not over Gonzaga. Not over No, no. No, the Zags Zags are just incredible. But before we close, we do have a question for John. Tyler had to make sure that this was asked. So, John, will UNC win a game in the tournament? Will they beat Wisconsin? I was avoiding this question. Roy Williams is undefeated <laughs> in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That is a stat that Mike Krzyzewski or Krzyzewski cannot say. Coach K. Say uh, <laughs> I don't Why are we think, kicking a man when he's down, John? Come on. <laughs> I don't think this is the year that that streak ends, but I can't see UNC getting to the Sweet 16. What about Villanova? They've got another tough matchup as well. What's the, what's the take there? I'm surprised people didn't bring it up before. I've been avoiding it as well. (laughs) I think, I said it, I think pedigree matters. And I think Villanova is going to beat Winthrop also because it's just been such a popular upset pick, but I don't think they beat Purdue. And that's actually a worse Purdue team than two years ago when Villanova had one of the most embarrassing losses in program history. That was when Carson Edwards had like a billion points and it was just lights out from three. But I think, Jeremiah Robinson Earl can get it done for one game and save a little bit of our pride. Do you agree, Pat? You and I actually haven't even talked about it. No, we haven't talked about it. Thanks for bringing back up the PTSD from the Purdue game uh, two years ago. I still haven't gotten over that thrashing that they handed to us. Uh, I actually agree with you, which I, I, of course, you know how much I hate to agree on things, but I think Villanova gets through Winthrop and I, I think they actually handle Winthrop rather easily. I'm not concerned about Winthrop. Please play this back when they beat Villanova by 15 now. Um, <laughs> but Purdue is going to be a problem. Purdue plays with two big guys. They have a seven foot four center on Purdue. Villanova's biggest weakness is interior defense. That's just going to get gashed in that second round game. So I think Purdue probably, well, I think Villanova can handily take down Winthrop. I think Purdue can handle Villanova rather easily. So I think it's a one and done Villanova here. I agree. I agree. I had, I also had Wisconsin beating UNC. I like their offensive rebounding, but I don't know this year. I do actually, too, no, I US, wasn't going to say it. Yeah. Sorry, John. <laughs> Sorry, John. As a lonely Duke fan, I'll take Winthrop and Wisconsin. How about that? Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> that? that works. Cool. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. That was really fun. Plug your pod so our listeners can make sure to check you guys out. John, you got it? Absolutely. Check us out, Tar Devils Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also Twitter at Tar Devils Pod. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll have, we'll have Thanks, you guys, guys on our podcast at the end of the tournament and we'll see who, who had How the we did. Place. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's love do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. So thanks again for John to, to John and Tyler for coming on. That was so fun to go through all of it. Oh, I had a great time talking with John yeah. and Tyler. They were a fun bunch to talk through. Very knowledgeable. I think they brought some really good points to the table. And uh, as we said, it's going to be a great tournament. 
Tyler's such a good guy for coming on, too. I mean, literally the first time in his life that Duke isn't in the tournament, and it's the first year that they make this podcast. <laughs> honestly, it be prop- any worse? <laughs> honestly, props to him that he's coming out of his room at, at this literally, point, because I can o- only imagine how, how depressing that must be. He told me when we were scheduling that he might be coincidentally sick on the same day that we record, <laughs> and Duke isn't in the tournament. <laughs> Well, I'm proud of him for making it out. It was it was exactly. great to talk to him and John. <laughs> okay, so I have a few residual things that I need to ask you about, Pat, that we didn't mm-hmm. have time for. Let's do it. So just as a disclaimer, Pat and I did not talk beforehand about Evan Mobley. We literally did both say in the spur of the moment that Evan Mobley was our player to talk about, and Pat was just absolutely devastated that we agreed about something. <laughs> I still am, actually. <laughs> You won't get over it. (laughs) All right. So with that being said, we're going to have more bracket talk for our best of segment. But there are three matchups in the first bracket that I did that I literally left blank because I can't pick. So I need your help. The first, the first is Creighton versus uc santa barbara (laughs) and we Uh, talked i actually messed up in the in the interview i said that i picked ohio over virginia which is 13-4 and then i also said that i picked moorhead state over virginia that's a 14-3 so i didn't have two 13s i had one 13 and one 14 13-4 is a popular one 12-5 is the even more popular one and villanova winthrop's a number another popular one I mean, Oregon State, Tennessee, not so much. Georgetown, Colorado is a popular one. The thing here is that I really just can't see Creighton having as bad of a performance against UC Santa Barbara as they did against Georgetown. But that's what people are just clutching onto, that Creighton was so bad in the Big East tournament. And I don't know, we've obviously watched them so much throughout the course of the season. I kind of feel like Creighton's going to bounce back. This is a really interesting matchup. It's one that I also did not initially fill out because I wanted to go back to it. I will say in the end, as of right now, I have Santa Barbara winning. And it is not because of the Georgetown game. I honestly throw that completely out the window. Right. I That's not happening again. Georgetown was on honestly just a magical run and, and they... It's one of the most rim-dominant teams I've seen out of Georgetown with that that post-defense. It was just phenomenal to watch. But I I look at Creighton, I see a team that did not close the regular season particularly well. Uh, I believe they lost two or three of their their final games. I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, I think that we can't count out that there is a little bit of dysfunction from the whole McDermott situation that I think still bleeds into it. I don't trust Creighton right now and with what i've seen over you know that last end of the season or that last portion of the season and because of that i feel like santa barbara has a chance i went through some of santa barbara's stats i was kind of impressed with what i saw offensively i mean they're on fire you talk about teams that were creating struggling right now santa barbara's certainly not uh, i think they can do it yeah i, I like their numbers too they're 66 in offensive efficiency and 82nd in defensive mm-hmm. so they're kind of right in the middle of the pack in terms of being Above average. I I leaned Creighton literally by a hair. And that's because one of Santa Barbara's biggest weaknesses is perimeter defense. Yes, it is. And Creighton, when, when on, Creighton is one of the best perimeter shooting teams in the country. 
And For I have sure. said before that I, when Creighton is on, I think they can be an Elite Eight team. And I don't think they can beat USC or, or actually that's the, the different part of the bracket. I don't think they can beat Gonzaga. They're, they're going to be stopped before they make the Elite Eight no matter what. But I think I have enough faith in Creighton to win one more game. And if we're going with the, what is it? Like you bet the odds so that if they have a really bad game, then you kind of expect them to rebound and have a good game after that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rolling with that. And that's why I give them the slight edge. Give them a little law of averages to balance out a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, exactly no problem. What I, was going for. Uh, I do not count Creighton out whatsoever in that game. I think, yeah. it, of course, listen, as a 5 over a 12, they, they can come through there. I just, I don't love the performances from Creighton. And again, that is throwing out the Georgetown game because that's just, I, <laughs> I still can't believe what I saw at Saturday I night. I can't in the either. I actually, I actually don't think people are talking about the McDermott stuff enough. Because I yep. think that's causing a huge rift in their locker room that's leaking onto how they're performing on the court. I, I think there's a little bit of dysfunction there, and that is part yeah. of why I'm picking that. Yeah. Okay, so the other two matchups that I have, they're actually all Big East matchups, and that's not intentional. The other one, this was the so that was the third hardest one I had. And it's funny because U, USCB is a UCSB is a twelve seed and Creighton's a five, but I'm still truly feeling like UCSB is a favorite in that matchup. The next one is UConn, Maryland. Really? We have here. I feel very strongly that UConn gets through there. I so the, I like UConn. I think they have a chance to, to make some noise in that region as well. I do too. And we've talked about them a lot. We talked about them a lot with Eugene. RJ Cole isn't cleared yes, yet. Concussion. I know. That's the big thing. This Danny is, Hurley said they're not going to know for a little while too. Yeah. So that literally makes me want to lean towards Maryland because Maryland has the experience. They have the pedigree like I talked about. UConn is a really electric, fun sleeper pick, and they have the success to show that they're not just a fluke. But if Cole isn't there, I have concerns about UConn. Mm-hmm. That being yeah. said, if I think if Cole does play, I actually have UConn beating Alabama in the next round. Oh, wow. That's a big <laughs> so, one. That's why I'm so torn. <laughs> oh, wow. That is a massive one. I love Alabama and, and Nate Oates and what he's done down there. And hey, Javon Quinterly was know, uh, right? SEC player of the tournament. Oh, oh that was so cool to see. I'm, I'm honestly thrilled for him. That it, it just it didn't work at Villanova. It was a mutual parting for sure. Uh, yeah. best for both parties to go away. So to see him excelling down there is is nice. But yeah, Nate Oates is a stud for Bama. But going back to UConn, I do think they ride this one out. All right. I'll, I'll defer to you there. So I have UConn and I'm going to I'm going to stay with my gut and pick Creighton. The only one that I have left that is truly blank right now is Colorado Georgetown. Oh no, you're gonna make me be a bad person. Pat, I don't know. I don't know who to go with here. I'm going with Colorado. I and I know Georgetown is gonna be a pick that a lot of people like to do. They just came off of that just incredible, you know, run at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Colorado is legit. They are decent. I believe they're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the entire country. We saw what Georgetown did at the tournament. We know that they are front-loaded with Kudus Wahab and, and Jamarco Pickett. That's going to be really dangerous. But I, again, it's kind of what we talked about earlier with Evan Mobley in the Pac-12. I'm not sure people know how great, or great is 
is an exaggeration for Colorado, but how solid some of these Pac-12 teams are. I think Oregon is very good as well Yeah, as a seven seed. It's a good pick, yeah. I have Colorado getting past Georgetown. I want to pick Georgetown. I want to pick Patrick Ewing, but I think Colorado outlasts them. They are top 20 in offensive efficiency, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem I see with Georgetown, you talked about their big men. That's their biggest strength, right? Wahab in the post is unbelievable. And Belay in the post has turned into an incredible backup option. I don't think Georgetown can keep up offensively. And they did against Creighton, right? They absolutely stifled Creighton, which was the most insane thing ever to watch. But if Colorado comes out hot, I don't think Georgetown has the offense to keep up with them. And that's why I kind of give Colorado the slight edge, which honestly sucks because I want to pick Georgetown here. And I think Ewing can turn things on even more in the actual tournament itself. They became the fourth team out of the Big East. They have a huge chip on their shoulder, momentum. I think that all plays a huge part in a team's success in March. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you too, and I think I'm gonna give Colorado. Ugh, yeah. I'm penciling it in now, but I'm I'm unhappy with it. I want to pick the sentimental pick of Georgetown, but I'm right. going Colorado. All right, so I can just blame it on you if Georgetown wins, so that's fine. Oh, uh, please do, please. But do. I have I have two out of those three biggies. Then that's pretty good. Yeah, that's we'll take good. it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that was fun. We again, we have one more bracket question to talk about in best of, but. We'll have a ton of college basketball content throughout the tournament. We're super excited to keep talking about it. It's it's a fantastic time of year. I am so excited to finally get into this tournament, if you can't tell from this episode, because I think I've used excited about a million times. <laughs> right. And we're all just we're just <laughs> laughing maniacally in the background, not even talking. So before we get into craziest number of the weeks, we had NFL free agency began. I mean, the NFL news has just been overflowing our timelines and we also Mm. spent a whole episode talking about college basketball but first let's get into new followers again uh if you're listening for the first time or you're a returning listener make sure to throw us a follow on instagram or twitter at did you hear pod and we'll shout you out on the podcast and if you leave us a five star rating and review on apple podcasts you can pick our best of segment for the next week so make sure to leave us a review there for the new followers this week a bunch of new ones a bunch of blue wire hustle people we had the duo sports and stuff podcast deontay epps samir kumar ryan jacobs jeremy rushing brian rennick lance roberson danny pinto daniel yosef eugene repay shout out for coming on last Woo! week tim daniel nba draft workshop and dave nugan who is a for, uh, and also a villanova alum so thank you so much for all those follows we also had a review from Joe Sports One. We'll get in touch with him about best of for next week, but make sure to get in on that and throw us a follow and a review to get your shout out next week. Also, just on Eugene, I mean, he he follows Iona and they end up winning the conference tournament and going to the dance. <laughs> He's probably feeling pretty good right now. Pretty pretty cool. He gets Villanova and Iona in there for yeah. for for uh, cover all his bases. So that was that was very cool to follow. Uh, last Except. Week. Yeah, they get Alabama, which is a tough draw. I yeah, tough draw for the game. Rough, rough. Yeah. All right, should we switch to NFL? Let's do it. You start us off with your number. 
Fantastic. So this is just a completely shocking number to me for multiple reasons, but we'll get into it. And that's 137.5 million. And that is the amount of guaranteed dollars that the New England Patriots have shelled out in the first 24 hours of free agency, which places them second all time for the most guaranteed money spent in a single free agency ahead of the 2019 Jets, just behind the 2020 Dolphins. Fun fact about all of the top five that are currently, or the top five teams to spend the most money in a free agent period, not a single one has won a playoff game. That is shocking. That is an incredible stat right there. Wow. Also, total $239 million given out, but of course we know there's no way that the players are going to see the full $239 million with yeah. how the NFL works. Yeah. Wow, but I'll, I'll run through the names really quickly too, or at least the really important ones. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are going to be very interesting to watch at the dual, dual tight ends. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Byrne, Jalen Mills, Matthew Judon. I don't know why I'm struggling with names. Um, some high-impact signings, or you would think so. So going to be really interesting to see how New England rebounds here. You got to like the players that they've added. Uh, they've got a decent draft spot, you know, missing out on the playoffs this year. I'm not sure. I know they brought Cam Newton back. I'm not sure he's their quarterback week one. I am not. So we will see how things play out. I hope for the sake of how active the Patriots have been this offseason that Cam isn't their number one option. Because that would just be a shame, truly. To put all of this work into the offensive weapons and then to not be able to upgrade to somebody who can throw more than 20 yards. And I like Cam Newton. He -hmm. just can't do it from a throwing perspective at quarterback anymore. He can't. I understand bringing him back because you look into free agency right now, and I think New England was not exactly enthralled with the likes of Andy Dalton or Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I get get bringing back Cam Newton, someone that's at least been in the system for a year, so you don't have to do it all over again. But I do believe they will still be looking for an upgrade at quarterback, especially around draft time. Yeah, it's it's something that we definitely have to keep watching out for. And it's funny because you had Dalton to Chicago and— who went to Miami? Did somebody Miami, go to Miami? Uh, I don't think it was Miami, but or Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick went left to Washington. and went to yes. Washington. Right, right, right. There are yes. so many things that happened. I was getting them all mixed up. And then Tyron Taylor just signed in Houston. Yeah, and it was no. Um, Jacoby Brissett went to Miami. That's yes. There you go. Yep. So I saw those two signings, and I feel like we're just getting a bit further and further away from Watson or Wilson moving. The top suitors for Watson and Wilson are both having to go in opposite directions because the Texans and the Seahawks, respectively, aren't budging, I think, for valid reasons, obviously. But I have two main points about your number that you said, and that was crazy about, A, how much the Pats spent, and then also how unsuccessful teams have been on the field after spending that much money. Dan Orlovsky said it on, I think it was SportsCenter today, and it was such a good point. If you win in the off season, you're probably not winning when it comes to actual game time. Literally, fair point. Tom Brady and the Bucks were one of the first examples we've ever seen of a team going from one of the flat out worst teams in the league to a Super Bowl champion. It, it never happens that way, right? It's because you have the best quarterback of all time running that ship. So, yes, I think Patriots fans and Patriot Nation should be excited 
you are significantly better than you were two days ago when the when the tampering period started. But it also should illuminate just how many holes there were on this roster. And it came from inability to draft solid players oh, that oh, could really make it. an impact. And that's that should be a bigger concern. Yes, it's great that they were able to get some really talented players. And I absolutely love the two tight ends, Hen- Henry and Smith. I think Judon is huge. I think he's a game changer for them legitimately. But again, I don't know if just because the Patriots are being so successful now, if that's going to translate to on-the-field success, I'm more inclined to think that all of a sudden Bill Belichick was like, oh, shit, we got to really do something right now, and we're going to have to put all of our money into it. And we've never seen him act like that before. No, and I think that's a great point. That is the biggest point that you bring up with the Patriots, is that as much as Belichick Belichick is lauded for being, you know, the evil genius with with the roster construction, their drafts have been really poor for the last couple of seasons. Uh, They haven't really added impact players in free agency. Listen, it's the reason why Tom Brady's in Tampa right now. Is because he didn't think that they were surrounding him correctly. Now, Belichick, that does not mean that Belichick is not the greatest coach of all time. He is, but... They, they were forced kind of into this position where they had to spend because they had so many holes at so many key positions. So it's, I understand the spending, but as you said, off-season spending does not guarantee in-season results. Yeah, but to, to offset that, I think there are some seriously good pickups here. And as I think Belichick, I. once again, is surprising everybody. He's just so unpredictable. It's, it's mind-blowing year in and year out. And I do have one more point. I've said it before on this podcast, and I tweeted it out today. I truly think tight ends are the X factor when it comes to great teams becoming Super Bowl contenders. If you think about the last five Super Bowl champions, they all had an elite level tight end, and there aren't many elite level tight ends in the league. If New England can get back, you you might not ever find somebody as good as Gronk. But mm-hmm. having the tandem of Jonu Smith as a blocking guy and Hunter Henry as the wide receiver threat, that makes New England infinitely more intimidating, especially in the really competitive AFC East race that we're going to see this year. Yeah, fair point, which is why Dave Gettleman, New York Giants, go get Kyle Pitts. Literally, literally. <laughs> okay, so stat? so my stat is about a former Patriot, but I'll go to the offensive line. The craziest number I heard this week is three, and that's because Joe Thune who just signed a record deal with the Chiefs, has allowed three total sacks since 2018. Are you kidding me? Three! And that's he's, not because... He's a stud. And that's not because he hasn't put in the playing time. He has not missed a game or a start in his first five seasons with New England from 2016 to 2020. I cannot even put into words how far my jaw dropped when I saw that. I mean, talk about the Chiefs identifying a problem and finding the best solution. They went out and got potentially one of the best guards. They still have more holes on the offensive line, don't get me wrong. But Joe Thune was probably the best option to go out and get. They paid him an, a serious price, five years, $80 million, $32 million fully guaranteed. That's $16 million average annual, which is the highest for a guard in a multi-year deal. But you are getting an absolutely elite player who has allowed only three sacks since 2018 
Yeah, he as you said, a complete stud in Tooney, and they are getting a massive player. Now, guards don't get talked about as much as tackles, but exactly. he has been one of the better guards in the league for a long time. Interestingly enough, though, tackle is absolutely still a problem for them. So I wonder if they try and go after a Trent Williams. Um, yeah. It's uh, or I don't even know if they're going to be able to go that high for how much Williams is probably going to get paid, but they still need to address tackle, but Thune helps them out on the interior a ton. Yeah, I was going to say I think Trent Williams is too too high for them I because they still have uh, Sammy Watkins, I believe, is a free agent. They still have to decide if they want to keep him. Hardman is another guy. It's either Watkins or Hardman. I can't remember off the top of my head. And they also have some defensive questions to answer, too. So it'll be interesting. They they shored up one hole, but they definitely have more offensive line questions to answer. And as we're seeing in Seattle with Russell Wilson, if the Chiefs don't solve them quickly, then there could be the same issues in Seattle and in Kansas City that we're seeing in Seattle. That's obviously For sure. a little premature. But offensive linemen matter. Yeah, I, I was pretty surprised with Mitchell Schwartz going away and then releasing Eric Fisher. I was a little yes. surprised what the Chiefs are doing, but it looks like they are trying to completely retool that offensive line. Just absolutely refigure the entire thing. Yeah. We'll yeah. see if it I mean, with Andy Reid making or calling the shots, you have to think that there's an end goal in sight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's the football. I mean, we could have spent an entire episode on this. Actually, Certainly I wanted could've. to bump our old episode from about a month ago. It was our NFL off-season primer we picked a offensive defensive and wild card free agent to watch and pat i'm pretty sure we're like 0 for 9 right now yeah pretty much you know but we don't have to worry <laughs> about that uh we i don't. will say my lord on bud dupree i thought he was an under the radar guy to watch but that man got paid by yeah, the tennessee he Titans. he deserved so. it he deserves yeah. it he's been a stud yeah all right so let's go to best of can you preview us here yeah, so for best of this week, we're going to change things up a little bit, and we are going to go through a little bit of bracket strategy. So how many brackets we fill out, how we kind of make some decisions. Just a fun one, quick one. And uh, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll start. It's very timely. This came from Erin O'Shea, who left us a review, so she was Thanks, able Aaron. to pick this one. And I like it because this is literally the time when people are filling out brackets most frequently. I will say that I usually fill out three. Mm-hmm. I fill out a, a gut reaction one first. And then, so yesterday on today's Tuesday that we're recording, on Monday, I filled out my gut reaction one. Today, before we recorded, I really, I did research all day and all day yesterday, considered my picks, put them down. And then I think either later tonight or tomorrow, I will do a third one that will be like my it. final picks. I put a lot of time, a lot of research, and I want it to be perfect. I think three is reasonable. I think when you get past that, it becomes a little much. But to each their own, because my sister did a bracket today, and she is upset score. She's got Ohio beating Gonzaga. I believe she has Maryland winning the whole thing. She's got Clemson making the final four. And I believe it is color-oriented. So whatever strategy floats your boat. Yep. Yep. Okay, I I can get behind that. (laughs) Um I so interestingly enough, I'm I am in a couple different pools with how I do it, but yeah. I I am not one of those people that submits different brackets per pool 
because I look at it as what the you know initial bracket I work on is what I believe in. So <laughs> I don't really change things around too much. So I will go through a few of them. I actually filled out my first bracket today. Uh, I will most likely review it again tomorrow and probably be done with it at that yeah. point and submit that in a, in a couple of different places. But that's kind of my strategy for it. I, uh, I, I Once I have my picks, I like to say, you know, I like to make my picks with a little conviction. So if I'm changing them all back and forth, do I really believe it's going to happen? Yeah, <laughs> so. that's a good point. Stick to your guns. The pools make it different too, right? Because some people, you could be in five or six different bracket groups and then you've got all different things and when you do oh, that then you've got to stick to some of your initial i picks. i can certainly vouch that i am in multiple pools um yeah my as you that's know a, my college that's a bit friends overwhelming yeah they are uh, they are a little degenerate like um <laughs> and i say that with love to my my villanova my villanova voice but <laughs> so yeah looking forward to it how much you've got invested right now i can't say that Oh no! No, I'm, no, I'm kidding. Pat. I'm I'm kidding. I think I think it's forty or fifty dollars. All right, that's not bad. That's yes. not bad. You scared me for a second. <laughs> no, I can pay next month's rent off. It's okay. Okay, phew, phew. <laughs> but this no, I this year is seriously going to be so good. And again, I have I wholeheartedly believe that it'll be Gonzaga versus either Baylor or Oklahoma State. But if it's not, I wouldn't be completely stunned. And I, I mean more so on the Baylor-Oklahoma State side. There we go. Yep, if somebody we're just going to say the same thing. If somebody beats Gonzaga, I do not know what will happen. Uh, I completely agree with you in that. I will say, if Gonzaga loses at any point in this tournament, I will be utterly stunned. I have yeah. not... Th- this is the best team we've seen in college basketball. It's, at least since the 2018 Villanova team, there might be yes. a little bit of bias there, but I think that team is an all-time great team. This team is probably better than it. Like that is how good this Gonzaga team is. Uh, and as I said in the interview, I do believe this will be your first undefeated champion since 1976. We yeah. could have some some chaos happening everywhere else, but I do think the con- the constant of Mark Few and that team. I mean, are you really beating Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Andrew Nemhard, uh, no. Ajayi? Like, are, are you going to beat that team over 40 minutes? I don't think so. So three All Americans, All Americans came out they, on Tuesday. This is going to be an all time team. Yeah, no, I agree. I would be absolutely shocked if somebody can beat Gonzaga. And it's and usually not like will. that. There are favorites, yeah. but it's usually not, I will be floored if this team loses. Yeah. I will be floored if Gonzaga loses. It's been Gonzaga or the field since literally week one. And yep. I don't well, I mean, remember there ever being a tournament. 2018 Villanova was a dynamic, dominant team. But yes. I didn't wholeheartedly believe that, honestly, until Sweet 16, second round. Like... Going in, I, there were definitely doubts, and I don't know if you have any doubts about this Gonzaga team. I have zero. Yeah. <laughs> that is how good yeah. this team is. And so. a lot of people agree. A lot of people yes. agree, which is shocking, too. Yeah, well, I'm glad, because Gonzaga deserves the respect, because I think so many times you hear, oh, they don't play anyone. That is just not the case, yes. if you look at that schedule from this year. They went and played whoever they could, and they beat them down in every yeah. opportunity they had. This is just a crazy Gonzaga team. That's actually a really good point, because this year especially, they really did have that strength of schedule, and they finally quieted all those ridiculous people who kept piping up with that comment. But we barely spent any time talking about Villanova in this episode. We will have... A Villanova recap episode. They are the 9.57 p.m. <laughs> game on Friday, of course. So that that um, 
Thank God it's episode. on a Friday, at least. Yeah, we might have that up early Saturday morning. Probably. But, let's shoot for early Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, but we, we we're hoping, obviously, that we'll have more than one recap to do. We said it the same thing in the Big East tournament, but we'll see in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I should at least be able to be a part of this one. So yeah. <laughs> let's hope it's after a win. I think it will be. But Yeah, and then we'll probably have, just to give a quick peek into the future, Opening day for Major League Baseball is coming right up, the which corner. we're so excited about. So we'll probably do a baseball season preview next week, and then we'll just have continued college basketball coverage throughout. So make sure to tune in to these weekly episodes and then all the college basketball episodes that we have for Villanova specific so that you can stay as plugged in as possible to the 2021 NCAA tournament. It's back. This is March. I am so excited. So that will do it then for the Did You Hear podcast. We again want to thank Tyler and John from coming on from the Tar Devils podcast. Make sure to give them a follow and to listen to their podcast. Thank you as well to all our new followers from this week. We love having you as a part of the Did You Hear family. To never miss an episode, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at did you hear pod as emma said we will be back at it for a villanova recap at some point saturday morning i'm not sure it's coming out at 2 a.m on saturday morning but it'll come out at some point on saturday morning to hopefully recap a villanova victory and we'll see how far they can take it from here but emma that is a wrap